Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. of making you talk El Alamein week um, with me, Al Murray and James Holland. And uh, we're starting with a poem or, or we're framing uh, these episodes with verse, aren't we, Jim? We are. Uh, been, and I think that's a nice departure and yeah. one that marks out the Alamein week. It's just a yeah. little bit special. Yeah. And I dug this up. It's called War in the Desert by Lovely. Signalman G. Harker. Oh, um, I, like I found a, a, a page with veterans poems and impressions on it. A universe of space, infinite sands. Unbroken line to mark off cloudless blue, a shimmering heat that plucks the very life of withered thorns which strive and stretch out shoots, groping in vain to take a hold on life. The desert, mighty, void of hope, immense, disturbed from tortured sleep by sounds of war, her barren bosom throbs with life once more. Across her brow come men and guns to rest, from foeman's grasp another sterile stretch. And so the game is played on age-old sands. Shades of the Caesars of a bygone day. Their might decayed. Great triumphs turned to dust. Soon, as with them, shall our deeds grow obscure, our victories unimportant, efforts vain, defaced by time. Once more the desert reigns. Our warfare but a phase long, long forgot. That's rather good. That's rather good, that. Uh, but, but we are here to make sure that it is not long forgot aren't we James so we've yeah we- and, and, and it's funny you know you, you you stand there you know you're standing on the on the Mitterai Ridge and it's all pretty empty and you're, you're looking down and you know it is incredibly atmospheric yeah. because it's so quiet because you've largely got the whole place to yourself you know occasionally you see Bedouins and occasionally you see kind of Egyptian army stuff kind of in the far far distance but basically mm. you've got the whole place to yourself and it is Quite an emotional experience, I have to be said. You know, there's no getting away from it. Yeah. So where we got to uh, um, uh, was the flap. Um, yes, and, Lo- and Rommel launching his attack on the 1st of July. Yeah. Um, at, 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 at El Alamein. So, um, this at is El the, Alamein. The first, yeah. first battle of El Alamein um, yeah. begins. And this is, this is 10 days after the fall of Tobruk. So things are happening very, very quickly. They're happening in a real yeah. tumble. Um, yes. 8th Army are, are, are really are, um, in, are really in trouble, I think it's, it's, it's fair to say. The Desert Air Force, on the other hand, is not. And um, while, it's, while what you can do is look at this and look at the sort of pell-mell panic, the Germans have actually got, prob- have got problems of their own. which they really are, have. Which they're, they're storing major. up for themselves. Yeah, so, so let's talk about those, Jim. Well, the problems they've got for themselves is, is that already they've overreached themselves. They've, they've already reached their culmination point. Yes. And the culmination point, for those, uh, it, it, it always crops up when you talk about the Eastern Front. But for those yeah. who don't, don't who, who've forgotten it or aren't aware of it, the culmination point is the point by, at which you are so far from your base supplies, your lines of communication, your lines of supply are so stretched, are so overreached that you can no longer do what you want to do in the way you yeah. want to do it. And at this point, 
they're so hammered. They've been so hammered all the way. It's it basically they're, they're they're in hot pursuit of of Ape Army, and all the way they've been harried by the Desert Air Force and by the RAF at night. Round the clock bombing. It's just been it's 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 like someone just pecking at you the whole time. And so by this point, they've just got um, Rommel's got fifty five Panzers left in the um, in the Deutsche Afrika Corps, the Afrika Corps, uh, and thirty Italian tanks. And the 90th Light Division, which is in the spearhead, has just got a thousand motorized troops left. They've got about 300 guns between them, which includes only 2988 millimeters. Wow. And the railway line, which is such an important artery to the whole thing, is completely out of action because all the locomotives have been destroyed. Yeah. So they're just, they're just not operating. So they, um, they cannot operate. So, so and, and don't forget, these guys have been in action since the 26th of May. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, 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 you know, and, and, the Germans take a dim view of people kind of, you know, um, having time off. Yeah. That, you know, that's considered a bit infradig. You know, come yeah. on, keep going, keep going. And it's well, very much Rommel's way that you always just charge on hell, well, hell and, metal. Uh, yeah, and, and that's what worked in France in 1940, after all, is that is that thing of just put your foot to the floor, push, 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 push. If the other side are going to oblige you by folding, then uh, you've got to make the most of it. Because I was, ju- I was just going to say, what, what, what's his other option, actually? You know, uh, hold up, you know, stop, at, essentially, at Tobruk, put in his own Gazala line in reverse. I mean, what, what actually? Yeah, Rommel- yeah, I think, I think that is his, his, his option at that point. Once they've got away, then you pull back to, I don't know, Mercer Matru or something. You know, Eighth yeah. Army's not going anywhere. No, it's literally not going anywhere. So what you do is you hold fire, you you, you bring the whole thing to a halt. You go, okay, you know that this ship well. has sailed. You go with the, you go that went well. You don't you? You go. You um, went, well. I've just absolutely destroyed the Eighth Army. We we've absolutely you know, but we now we need to build up our own strength. Yeah, yeah. And and you get on the blower and you go send me some you know send me some tigers send me some you know whatever you can send me you know I need some bigger guns bigger tanks and you and you and you give yourself everyone a break and a breather. Yeah. Um, you know, much as you did in, you know, the early part of 1942. And, and, but everyone's so pumped for this. You know, Mussolini's come over with his white horse. You know, everyone's, <laughs> you know, the dreams of, the dreams of getting beyond the Suez Canal into the oil yeah. fields of them. You know, it's, it's like this, it's like El Dorado, this, you know, because the Germans so badly need oil, this, this, mm tantalizing glimpse you know we're so close if we can just yeah. give this little extra yard i mean in a way and so of course he attacks at, at, at yeah. alamein because you know he's got them beat and, and you know there's just one last push it's all that kind of mentality I mean, but a, the difference is of course is that in france you know you've got you've got lots of infrastructure around yeah. you and you've got you've got road roads and railways and you've got yes. everything behind you in 1940. Yes, you've got whereas and here got, you haven't. You've got options. Whereas what what and, the, the whole point of the British defence here is to re, it, you know, and it's the luck of the geography is to reduce germ, the German options to somewhere much more defensible, somewhere where you can't flank, somewhere where there is only there is only one road and there is only one railway line, which after all makes makes the Desert Air Force's job a whole lot easier. You've not got yes. to go find the road. The, 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 the Germans are likely to be on, or the railway line that they're likely to be um, exploiting. Um, I mean, it is it is interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's like a it's it's like a, a mirage of an oasis in a way. The oil, isn't it? It's like yes. it's a desert mirage. Completely. You think one last one last heave, and we'll get to the oil. And I, 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 yeah. 
yet this is one one last climb over the sand dune and, and yeah. there will be my, yeah. my my fort with palm trees and water exactly one final ridge and the but the thing <laughs> is though this isn't to say that the panic in um in, i mean the panic in in uh car and alexandria is very real and there is a there is a genuine feeling that the germans could could come any minute i mean in, yes, in a way yes. it's reminiscent of london in 1940 isn't it when think you know when there is that there is some panic on you know what, you at read, the end of may yeah when you read those diaries in you know like duff cooper's diary was going oh crap you know we are yes and harold nicholson saying i'm preparing the cyanide pill exactly and all that it's got it's got that about it again hasn't it it really um, has yeah which is interesting because actually the thing you always say about the, the late summer night uh, uh, late late may 1940 1940 is actually if you if you suck your teeth and you're sober about the whole thing it isn't a perilous situation. It's it's rotten. It's not what you want. It's not what you wanted, but it's certainly not. Irre- it's miles from being irretrievable. And the reason, Completely. of course, for that is the Royal Navy and Fighter Command. And you could argue that that's the same thing. It's history repeating or echoing hard that the army can't get its act together, but fortunately the Air Force has and the Navy has. And that's why this isn't a this isn't a um you know, uh, uh, an endgame situation for the British in uh, in in North Africa, right? Yeah, I I, th- I think I think there's, there's two things going analog, on here. I, I think the first thing is is that that I think um, panic is incredibly contagious. Yes. So so the panic grips Cairo and Alexandria, yeah. and, and it just spreads like a wildfire. And you know, this is all you know. Ash Wednesday is the first of first of July, as it's called. Yeah. Um, and. You know, that that passes pretty quickly. To be fair, it's a kind of fairly yeah. brief one. So that that's one thing. That's sort of you know back at base. You know, back in Cairo, everyone's yeah. sort of thinking, "Gosh, well, it must be serious then if we're burning burning papers." And then yeah. everyone starts thinking, "Oh, I need to get out of here," um, yeah. uh, 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 and so on. Um, but I think there is also, I think there is a there is a deep malaise within Eighth Army. Um, you know, Ritchie, who has been the Eighth Army commander before he gets sacked by um, Auchinleck. You know, hasn't gripped these these diverse personalities from no. these different countries. You know, Pinar, um, um, Freiburg, Morshead. I mean, I know Morshead's not up at the the Aussies aren't up at the um, yeah. up at the front at that point. But you know, the, the, and got you know, they're all kind of Ramsden, and you know, they're all well, kind of and Norrie, and you know, they're all kind of. Well, they all come loaded with politics, these guys as well, don't they? So they, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it, and they're it, all. They're it's all hard kind to of... grip and sack people who are who, who are occupy political roles. I mean, again, you could look at you could look at you know if it, 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 for an analog, if you look at the the political sort of command chaos in north in northwest Europe in 1944, there's a similar thing with the British and the Americans chafing against each other politically under one leadership, and but and there's a sort of mini version of that in Eighth Army, isn't there? Is that yeah, I think there is. I think these people I think don't is, get I, on either, do they? They they don't get on, and Richie hasn't no. got what it takes to grip them. No, and then and then by the time the orc the orc comes in, it's kind of it's too little, too late. Yeah, and everyone's tired and they're depressed and morale is down and 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 you know we go back to the three M's. You know that that yeah. the, the method is wrong, the motivation isn't there, and morale is dipping. So yeah. it. it that makes them dangerous and uh, um, dangerously weak, and I think that's why. And it's just in Rommel's nature that he's going to just absolutely go for it. Yeah, uh, and he does, and he decides to attack in the north of the Alamein Line, which obviously yeah. is the, is the um, best defended bit. 
It's yeah. the strongest bit of the line along, uh, basically between the coast and Rewiset Ridge, which yeah. is the first kind of ridge line. So, so what you've got then at El Alamein, at the railway, at where the railway station is. I mean, it's it's you know, I saw ten miles in. I mean, ten miles in. The fact is, there's you know, there's a handful of buildings, and they that they, they. I mean, it's funny that they take on significance. They're the only the, the closest thing to a built-up area. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. But yeah. so you've got the Third South African Brigade um, uh, behind wires, you know, in, in fortified yes. positions, and, in and growing, north. you know, and mines growing up literally yeah. with every passing hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've and then you've um, you, you've got um, uh, uh, down. There's a, there's a line that sort of runs diagonally. Um, uh, south southwest out of that yes. position, isn't there? And at the bottom, you've got um, Fifth uh, Indian Brigade. Yes, um, and between them, Eighth Eighteenth uh, uh, Indian and Sixth New Zealand and Seventh Motor are yes. all stretched out across. And again, it's another one of these lines. Um, yes, uh, not as not as obviously not as formally organised as what you've got what you had at. I um, mean the Gazala lines, but but they're they're doing this again, aren't they? They're they're they're, uh, they're picketing out a line to try and block between El Alamein and the Katara Depression, basically, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, so 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 what they're doing the the the, the Africa Corps and the and yeah. the Italian Brescia are so so the Mitterrand. So for the first you've got you've got the the Rue Ridge, which runs roughly east to west. Yeah, and and is about. 10 miles in length and it's sort of central and it is also this, about so, 10 miles from the coast even though yeah, the coast yeah. is sloping upwards exactly so it's sort of set the it's kind of the ju- just north of the center of the entire battlefield isn't it of the of the of the, position. Of the northern bit yeah 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 the, the northern, northern part bit. yeah 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 sort of yeah and then and then you've got the mitiraya ridge which runs on a kind of northwest to southeast axis well yes i mean if it's the hands which of the is clock, shorter if it's, it's only the about hands, five miles long it, yeah if it's the hands of the clock um the rear is it ten o'clock is three o'clock yes. uh, runs is the hand running to three and yes. the rear the mitter rear ridge is the hand of the clock running to ten um really good exactly that so that, that is absolutely the best way to describe it yeah and and the deutsche africa corps with the brescia division move in on the southern leeward side of the Mitterai yeah. Ridge to cover them from the north, uh, while the 90th Light, or what remains of them, attack on the other side, yeah. straight in at the... Uh, and the whole point is to try and get in around behind the Alamein stop. Yeah, and that's a f- sort of five-mile gap to the Mitterai Ridge from, from the coast, isn't it, from the, from the ocean? It's, so, it's, it's a bit more than that. It's more like yeah. about eight. Yeah, but they're like squeezing that. themselves into this... The, the the 90th light, although they're heavily depleted, but um, they're squeezing themselves into this gap, aren't they, between the yes. Mitterai Ridge and the and the coast, and then south of, as you said, south of the Mitterai Ridge, uh, um, the, the the Africa Corps are coming in, coming in the Bresh and the Brescia are coming in down. Um, so they so they they're then going to encounter what what the British have put up. It, it basically in the middle of yes, middle and, and of what the, they're trying to do is they're trying to get get get, get in deep behind the British lines. Come around the, behind the, them. The, the, the 90th light will then cut up northwards towards the yeah. coast, yeah. and the the Deutsche Africa Corps will cut and, and the Brescia will cut down south in behind the New Zealanders. Yeah. That's, and that's def- the idea. And again, defeating the, the defeating the Duke positions in piecemeal. You do yes. it as you can. You 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 can't take them on in full strength. And and you, I mean, what's interesting is, as you pointed out uh, uh, earlier, you know the, the the Germans are very much. De- 
are very much running out of stuff in the same way, actually, that Eighth Army are. And yeah. so this is a this is a sort of punier version of what what went on. Um, Considerably uh, punier. Um, except, a month earlier, except that that you've got that you know the New Zealanders are fresh. Yeah, yeah. So so th- there are some fresh. You know, Fourth Indian hasn't really been in yet, and you know they're they're, they're kind of moving up, and you know there are, uh, and the Australians are coming, so they're kind of you know they're on yeah. their way. Yep. So you know if they could just hold them, and actually, what does for the um, does for the uh, for the Panzers really for the for the, the main strike force is the intensity of the Allied artillery, yeah. which is the British artillery, which is in, in, in impressive and stops them really, and, and they're getting absolutely nowhere. Then there's a big sandstorm whips up, yeah. So that enables the the the, the DAC, the, the Africa Corps, to get going again. Um, but by that point, it's kind of. You know they're, they're, they've just run out of steam, and once yeah. they get once once the ninety of light, who are on the if you remember they're on the northern part of the yes. of the Mitterrand Ridge, aiming to cut towards the the coastline, they get caught out in the open, and they're yeah. absolutely hammered once the dust clears, once the storm yeah. clears, uh, and you know panic sets in, and that's because they're absolutely knackered, they're completely exhausted, they've been harried and harried and harried, and this latest kind of absolutely raining down this massive stonk by the by the british artillery is just it's a stonk too far having been harried so badly by the by the desert air force yeah and lots of them just start start fleeing back i remember there's a there's a very good i i I got hold of this diary i i went out when i when i was originally working on all this i went out to south africa and went out to the archives there and um i I got hold of this diary by a chap called bill edie he was a sergeant um and um he noted in his diary that he saw a lorry that said "Gazala handicap four to one on vaporizing am" written alongside, <laughs> <laughs> alongside it. Bloody so hell. you know there was still a little bit of humour going on, but but <laughs> so, it stops them in their tracks. And, and, and basically, the next day, Rommel urges them to keep going, mm. and they make absolutely no progress. Uh, and by the third of July, it's absolutely clear that that the 90th Light are not going to get any further in the Deutsche Afrika Corps. Are not going to get um, any further either, and, and and the New Zealanders actually, who are fresh to battle, completely destroyed the Arietta divisions, which is the um, uh, is one of only three armored divisions that the um, Italians have. The Arietta is their artillery is completely smashed on the third of July, mm. um, and at that point, Rommel finally calls it off. And, and, and at this stage, you know his his divisions, you know, which should be kind of fifteen thousand strong, are a tenth of that size. You know, they're down and what are, kind of and what are the officers who's commanding thirtieth thirtieth light? The ninetieth light, ninetieth light. Sorry, God, I just can't remember. Because what's I can't their, remember what's their feedback. Are they saying, "Look, um, I understand your, your, no your, your desire to, to to press on," and in fact, you know. Um, uh, this is tangential, tangential to, to slightly tangential to what we're, we're talking about. But, but um, David Stahl's uh, uh, new book suggests that an awful lot what's driving general German generals at this at this point of the war is fame, medals, yes, um, uh, and you know money that you celebrity that you get from you get from those things, and that the way to do that is to fight particularly aggressively because that's how you. That's how you make your, your your reputation and your formation's reputation, and your men are into that idea. I mean, Rommel, that's that that's partly what's motivating Rommel, isn't it? You know, um, yeah, fame is the spur, and uh, it, it, uh, is is the chap in charge of 90th Light saying, um, "By the way, we're done here. 
and your <laughs> orders are all very well, but um, we've got to stop. I mean that is. I mean that, that. I mean that strikes me as an interesting as an interesting sort of point about the way the Germans fight. You know, and it's a recurring problem, isn't it? At which point reality enters into the yeah. decision making loop. You know, because as we said earlier on, the thing to do is stop at Tobruk, lick your wounds, reorganize, take advantage of the fact you've got a big port, logistically reorganize, you know, take some shipping on, get some heavier yeah, yeah. heavier kit in, you know, all that, refit, and then and then push on. But he can't it, it that he can't do it. Reality doesn't enter his Rommel's thinking. Um The commander is Ulrich Kleeman. Right, okay. And then it's Ramka. He's very yeah. famous. Oh, right. Okay, yes. Yeah. And later on, you know, it's it's, it's Ernst Gunter Bader, right. our old friend. Oh, right. Gerhard okay. von Schwerin. Right. But yeah, okay. no, I've never heard of Elwood Kleeman, I have to say. I'm ashamed yeah. to admit. But, um, yeah. but yeah, that's who, that's who it is. Well, that's interesting um, because, because, because by the time a division's essentially been run into the ground, what's his, who's his duty to, you know, at this stage of the battle? Anyway. It's just a question I wanted to raise. So, so these are the German attacks. What are the British, the British and um, the Duke counterattacks? The orc, the orc decides that what he needs to do is counterattack. And I think what's interesting about this battle. Well, hold on, hold on, because because there's some interesting. I, I think it's worth kind of pointing out that, that yeah. you know that they just you know by by the end of this they they are so spent. You know, by yeah. by the end of by the end of play on the third of July, the yeah. Africa Corps, uh, which is twenty first Panzer. Um, 15 pounds or 164 flight. They've got yeah. 37 pounds as left. You know, that's it. You see, if they knew that. And, now, and, he, and, he, and he's writing home to Lucy, you know, he, yeah. you know, we all have his letters and he writes home to Lucy, his wife. And he goes, things are not going, things are not going as I should like them. Resistance <laughs> is too great. And our strength is exhausted. However, I still hope to find a way to achieve her goal, but I'm rather tired and fagged out, you know? So if he's fagged out, you know, and on that day, you know, I know we keep going on about the air power, but I think it's really important because it doesn't get the credit it deserves in the narrative of this. Yeah. You know, on that day, the 3rd of July, the DAF flies almost a 1,000 sorties. The Luftwaffe flies 203. Well, there. And, 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 okay, get this from a German soldier. The enemy air force is bothering us a lot. From 5 until 11 o'clock, it was over us more than five or six times. The least of the bombing we had. Night and day, it seems to go on without interruption, and there's not a moment's peace. We are becoming like potatoes, cartoffin, um, always <laughs> underground. <laughs> you know, and if you're underground, you can't go forward. You know, you just can't. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also, you, you're being, you, you're, you're tired, your, your nerves are shot, all that, you know, all that sort of stuff. I mean, all it, that it, stuff. It, uh, it, it, it is interesting though, isn't it? Because, because, because Rommel has only got has only got this way of doing things. He's offering himself up to the, you know, to the allied um, uh, air forces, isn't he? It's, 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 it's peculiar because he must know that he must, he must know that. No, but don't, don't forget this, the desert air for the transformation of the desert air force is something that's new. You know, this has only been going on, you know, they've been training in the lull. It's only since the 26th of May. That, well, I know, but he's had a he's had six weeks, six weeks of weeks. this treatment. You'd think, he, I mean, maybe he's thinking they can't carry on forever with this, and maybe and, and possibly the Luftwaffe are saying, "Oh, we shot them all down yesterday. Don't worry." There's always there's always that. There's going always on, that. Isn't there? But my yeah. point is 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 that the Germans, all their years of success, have come where they haven't had to worry about air power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
uh, you, you know, in 1940, you know, they, they brush aside the uh, Army de l'Air, the, you know, the French Air Force, RAF, all the rest of it in France. They do the same with the Polish in, in Poland, you know, and, and across, you know, when they're sweeping down into the Balkans, you know, what air power? I mean, it just doesn't exist. Then they hammer, you know, they hammer Malta. You know, they're just, you know, everything, you know, they're, they're top dogs, you know, and they, they've hammered the, the the Soviet Union, the Red Army um, Air Force. You know, so they're, they're, they're used to this. This is the first time ever that where they've played underdog, you know, yeah. apart from the Battle of Britain, of course, you know, but, but in ground operations. Yeah. You know, so this is something that's completely new. This is, you know, and this is the, the argument by the time they get to 1944 in Normandy. This is why he's got this, Rommel's having this argument with von Schreppenberg. Yeah. Because von Schreppenberg's only been an Eastern front man. He's never experienced it. Yeah. And Rommel's going, you had no idea what yeah. it's like being under, under attack all the time by the, by the RAF and by the, by the Allied Air Forces. But Rommel has. And it starts in, at the very end of May on his Gazala attack, which is a great victory for him, un, un, unquestionably. But the reason it ends in failure is because they're absolutely hammered all the way from Tobruk to the Alamein line by the RAF. And suddenly this is a, this is a massive wake up call. And, he, and Rommel at this point has no answer because the Luftwaffe is not well prepared and, and, and organized in the same way that the RAF is. Yeah. He doesn't have that relationship. They don't have that doctrine where, you know, he comes up with targets and, and, and the Luftwaffe decide. It's all kind of, you know, it's a mishmash and, which and kind of all, no one's really thought that through. Which and that's because really, they haven't needed to. Well, but it's all really interesting, isn't it? Because it's the example of the Luftwaffe working with the, um, uh, with the army, the here, in 1940, that scares the bejesus out of the Allies and makes yeah. them think, well, we're going to have to sort out our tactical end of how we do tactical air power, isn't it? Well, it is, except that it is, it is the arrival of Tedder and then subsequently Conningham, who who are are saying to the ground commanders, yeah, yeah, we've worked out how we need to do this. Yes, and this but, is but what it, we need to do, and you need to like it. it. It's, and, and, it, it, and, it but it's the Germans, uh, having invented this thing, don't expect, seem to not expect the Allies to have gone. Actually, maybe we could learn from that. Maybe <laughs> yeah. we should emulate that. No. And, and actually, then, then then leapfrog and take it uh, forward perfect, another notch, perfecting it. And this is a thing that actually happens again and again throughout the war in terms of re- reacting to doctrine, uh, adopting it, holding it up, looking at it, actually knows a different way. Or, or what they think, I mean, after all, a, a big, big byproduct of 1940 is what the, what the British and the Americans think the Germans were up to, but they don't know. They don't know for sure how, how everything was done in 1940. They, it's, some of it's a mystery. They've just, all they know is they've been, they've been knocked over by what looked like um, dominant air power and tanks. Now, um, we're going to take a very quick break, and then I'm going to ask a question before we move on to what follows this first Battle of Alamein. We'll see you in a second. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, <laughs> or people will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. 
He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy, too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics U.S. wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk, Alamein Week. Um, we need a, you know, we need a fanfare or something, Jim. Or we should ring church bells, shouldn't we? That should be the... Well, maybe in the last one. The last one. Um, so, first battle of El Alamein. <laughs> we should right? end with that, shouldn't we? We should, we, we should end with church bells ringing. Let's, we'll, we'll, we'll get well, let's the, put that, let's sort that out. The great people at Goalhanger to fix that. Um, uh, <laughs> the... Um, <laughs> this battle is, generally... I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a, a you know... Um, and on the nose question. This battle's presented, Jim, as a stalemate. If you, if you, if you, most accounts you read of it, it's presented as a stalemate. My, I would, I would say it's a British, it's a, a victory for the Allies, actually, because it's one of those battles where if the Germans don't win it, that's it. They're, they're done for, in effect. So I would argue this is not a stalemate. This is actually an Allied victory. What would you say to that um, out, yeah, out, outrageous um, proposition, Jim? <laughs> um, do you see what I'm driving at? I, people, I see exactly what you're driving at. For a very uh, that, long that, time, for a very long time, people presented the Battle of Britain as a stalemate, didn't they? That, yes. Oh, you know, in the end, all it, all it, all that really happened was the RAF had to not lose. Think, well, yeah. that, well, and by doing that, they won. You know, like. You know, if we're actually weighing it in the scales of the scales of um, of the desert war, this is I think this is an allied victory. I know it doesn't look much like one. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I think that I think by those by those definitions, I think you you, you can't argue against it. Because um, you can't afford it. It is now, I think. But but, but where, where I'm not going to be drawn into is is because of what follows. So so, so that that yeah. is just the first attack, and yeah. then then what what what? So I would say that. The first Rommel attack is an Allied victory, yeah. but what then follows is <laughs> repeated counterattacks. Yeah, four attempts to kind of seize the initiative by the Orc, by the Orc, Orkin yeah. and all of them fail. Yeah, and, and uh, not even the best win in the world, best spin on this possible. Could you say that's a victory? No, what you Jim, can say is is that is that is the, the or not achieving his aim. So that's the absolute reverse no, of what Rommel's been trying no, to do. No, you, you're just not zooming out and being zen enough about it, Jim. The, the, <laughs> Rommel, Rommel, Rommel can afford nothing except total victory. A stalemate, a draw is a defeat. If you're if you're playing if you're yeah, playing okay. if you're playing desert war poker the way Rommel does, 
Yes, he only always victory bet, will do. He always bets the house on everything. You know, he's a, yeah. Okay, he's, that's a fair point. I, okay, I can, I can style, see that point. I can see that point. I can see that point. I can see that point. So but. even even because the thing is, one of the things one of the things that swirls around, um, you know, uh, uh, and we're going to get to this in a second. One of the things that swirls around Alamein, uh, the second battle of Alamein, is you know, it's all everything's inherited from the orc. The orc laid the groundwork. The orc, it's the orc who got it actually deep down, got it all right, and then you know, in Swan, some some out of towners who um, then claim credit for it all, and we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that. But the fact is, is he can't make anything stick um, during the rest of the second battle, uh, uh, during the first rest of the first battle, as you pointed out, he cannot make these counterattacks work. He tries and he tries and he tries and it ain't he happening. Tries. Well, let's and, go through them. Let's go through them. Go on then. So, the first one is 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 he's preparing on the tenth of July. Yeah. Uh, and his idea is to attack in the north with thirty corps. Yeah. And by this time, Rommel has been reinforced with the hundred sixty fourth light division who caught up, um, and they're preparing to attack the New Zealanders' position at exactly the same time. Yeah. York gets wind of that. So he evacuates what's called the Kaponga box. So they're mm. still operating in boxes. At yes. This point. Yes. So Rommel attacks at the Kaponga box as it was, where he thinks uh, the New Zealanders were. And this is, this is the Kaponga box is, is a little bit south of, well, it's quite a long way south. It's about it's quite a long way south. Yeah. 10 miles south of the Mitiraya Ridge. Yeah. And they evacuate. So he attacks it on, on the 9th and finds it, it, it completely empty. And, then the guns in the north on the 10th of July open fire. Yeah. Um, and so Rommel calls off the attack in the south. Yep. And the Aussies, who have now arrived with the South Africans, overrun the Italian Sabrata division. Yeah. And only what stops complete collapse at that point is the newly arrived 164th Light hmm. um, division. But this is the point where Hauptmann Seabohm's 621st Radio Intercept Company is is taken out. Is itself intercepted? Yes. Is itself intercepted? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, uh, Bonifellas is kind of you know what's what's the leakage has has, has been discovered. So these are vital bits of intelligence to Rommel, which are now denied him. Yeah. Um, and that's basically it. The whole thing runs out of steam. So then, Orkinlet goes. Well, hang on a minute. We, you know, we have made some progress. Let's make an, another attempt. Another attempt, and sort of swings back the battering ram again. And that's launched on the 14th of July. And yep. this time, it's for the 5th Indian Division and the New Zealand Division to launch a silent night attack, um, but then with artillery support. And with the 2nd and 22nd Armoured Brigades hovering in the background to kind of, you know, to follow up on the successes of the infantry. Two Italian divisions are completely overrun. But in the process of doing so, the New Zealanders, are uh, they bypass a leaguer of panzers. Um, and a number of German infantry positions who are then behind them when when dawn breaks. So <laughs> half the New Zealand division is kind of surrounded and cut off from the rest of the New Zealand division. And 350 men are captured. Um, and the 2nd Armoured Brigade tries to tries to get come in and help, but gets bogged down on a minefield. Then the 22nd Armoured Brigade moves up, but also gets then to get stuck in Italian minefields. It's too help to too way too late to help the New Zealanders. Um, Rommel, with his kind of usual elan, managed to cobble together various units from the 21st Panzer, 19th Light, what remains, plus some of 15 Panzer, just enough to create a, a counterattack. 
and emerges through the dust and smoke with the sun behind them and catches another kind of 400 New Zealanders, including Charles Upham, BC and Barr. And that's where he come, that's where he's come from. And, and they're eventually, they're eventually stopped by, um, 22nd Armored Brigade. But that's that one over. You know, that, that, that's gone absolutely nowhere. That, that's just a classic kind of ships moving around the sea, maneuvering around the desert. New Zealanders lose 1,400 men for, for literally no gain at all. So that's effectively two battalions out. But the New Zealanders are also um, getting replacements, including the 28th Maori Battalion, which is very interesting because the Maoris are all completely volunteers. They're not conscripted. Um, and they're all, uh, the ABCD companies are all divided into, um, you know, on the lines of tribes. Um, which I think is quite interesting, um, and they fight very, very tenaciously. So since the beginning of July, the, the Italians have lost four divisions. The Africa Corps now only has 42 again. It's been from 40, 37, it's been reinforced by the 164th Light and a few other replacements and stuff. They've been then lost. So they've now only got 40, 42 panzers left. Mussolini goes home on the 20, 20th of July, realising he's not going to go into Cairo on his charger after all. Yeah, he takes the horse with him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> put on a plane. <laughs> Priorities, so, Jim. Yeah. So, so, so at this point, York thinks, "Wow, we'll just give it one more go, shall we?" Um, and so this time, he he he, uh, he plans to attack straight along the Ruwaisat Ridge, which, if you remember, is the one that is run, running roughly kind of east to west, kind of ten miles south of the coast. Yeah, the three o'clock and kind of sort of yeah yeah, but three o'clock. o'clock exactly exactly. Um, yet again, it's going to be the New Zealanders and the Fifth Indian that lead the way, um, uh, but with the Aussies supporting. And you have to kind of ask yourself. You know, why? Why not lead with the Aussies? You know, why would you, you know, the New Zealanders have been in battle and the fifth Indian for the last yeah. two attempts, you know, and they've been in it in the, in the thick of it for three weeks now. You know, you thought they might have a, have a break, but no. Um, anyways, another nighttime infantry assault yet again supported by artillery. Um, the plan is to kind of make gaps in the minefields, then 23rd Armour Brigade stream through. The Aussies do get their first objectives and the New Zealanders in the north and the New Zealand Indians push forwards, but, but don't get enough gaps in the, in the minefields. Armors is struggling to get through. Um, and eventually, eventually in, with no cohesion with the infantry whatsoever, 23rd Armour Brigade gets, manages to get through the minefield, does a balaclava charge and gets blown to pieces uh, and they lose 87 tanks. Well um, done, everyone. And, and it's just a joke. And, and, you know, and I remember talking to Joe Maidley, who was in the second 13th Battalion, um, an Aussie guy. And I remember him saying that that night they were then sent out to do kind of wiring. And, and every so often they'd hear this sort of, and sort of a red glow. One, and that would be one, one of the 23rd Armour Brigade trying to get back and hitting a mine. Oh, Christ. It's all a bit rubbish. You know, it's again, you know, no one's learned any lessons. There's a total lack well, of all arms cooperation. I mean, there's been no time to, has there, though? In the, in the there sort hasn't, of, but, in the, but it's in the but, but then, but then but then take the time and, and yeah. just Yeah, 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 yeah. Well in, in a way, it's in a way again it's the mirror image of it's a mirror image of um Rommel not stopping when he could. It's that the orc the orc could yeah. you know he could not do this if he wanted to. But then I suppose I suppose he's thinking passive defence didn't work in the Gazala line um battle. It's not served us well. He's probably got he's no doubt got London on the phone going Get go your on, finger go out. Go on. Get, crack on. Why? Why will none of my generals fight? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I'm looking. At, I'm looking at the statistics, and it's telling me you've got three quarters of a million men. Yeah, yeah, and and you and you do very much. Get, this is very much the period of the war where Churchill's saying, "What the hell's? Why will none of my generals? 
Why can none of my generals? But, fight? but it's why interesting because you know soldiers what, what, not fight and all that. Yeah. You know? So one one of the armor experts who's come out from having done kind of you know tr- intense training in in England, he's come yeah. out as as um the orc inlet uh, as the orcs armor expert is Dick McCreary, yeah. Yeah. who later right. goes on goes on to command Eighth Army. Right. By the end of the Italian campaign, is chief yeah. of staff to Alexander. Right. And Dick McCreary says, you know, you're doing this all wrong. This is how you want to do it. And and it's really not a simple, you know, it's not a difficult thing. You just need to kind of, you know, get much closer infantry armor coordination, yeah. you know, no more balaclava charges. They have an argument and the orc sacks him. Oh, God. So anyway, so then they, they think, you know, you know, undeterred. Hmm. <laughs> They then have a four percent. Not one attempt, ladies and gentlemen. Not two. <laughs> not, not three. But a fourth four. attempt. Yes. So, um, and this is this stretching is, my this is stretching my proposition that actually this is an Allied victory. To, to, um, <laughs> well, I kind of think so. I've got to say. So this is the fourth attempt. This is the fourth attempt. And the orc orders one last push again by thirty corps, again in the north. But this time we've just got a little bit more armor because we've got first armored division. Yeah. Uh, and this time, the plan is for the South Africans to make the gap in in the ever growing minefields. So you know the job is significantly harder than it was at the yeah. beginning of the month. Um, and this time, southeast of the Mitarai Ridge, which, as you remember, is the the the, the arm of the clock pointing to ten. Yeah. Um, at one a.m. on the twenty seventh of July, um, the twenty fourth Aussies uh, uh, sees the eastern end of the ridge. Then 69th Brigade of 50th Division, we come across them again, you know, yeah. Stanley Hollis, God. D-Day, Gold Beach, yes, all the rest of, course, of it. Yeah. They pass, the plan is that they pass through the gap created by the South Africans and gap any further arm time fields. And then do you know what's going to happen? The armor's really going to follow get, through. If some tanks come through, yes. <laughs> and charge on a balaclava, charge and, and, and win the day no. without any infantry whatsoever. Oh, <laughs> but anyway, but you know, of course. All the problems that have always been with nighttime attacks are still there. Yeah. No one can see deadly squat. You know, whatever you could see, you can see even less because there's lots of smoke. Occasionally flares go yeah. crackle, yeah. crackle, 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 crackle. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. suddenly you're lit up like a beacon. Um and and, and there's huge complications of, of, of comms, of radio connections, sticking to timetables, sticking with the artillery because there hasn't been enough all armed training. Yeah. Because when they had the opportunity to do the training in the spring, they didn't. They were so busy building boxes along the Gazala line, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so, so the potential for cock-up is absolutely huge. Um, and, of course, that's exactly what happens. Well, and also because you know, this is, attacking's difficult. It, it's, it's, it's difficult, yeah. It's it really, difficult. really hard. It, 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 you know, it, it, b- before we get too far into, oh, they're cocking it up the way you – this is all really, really – it's all really, really hard. You've also been at it for ages. After all, this whole phase began in <laughs> two in, months ago. In, yeah, in late May. So that you're well, well this, in, this is launched on the twenty ninth of the twenty sixth, twenty seventh of July, which is yeah. exactly a month, you know, two months after the yeah. Rommel launched his attack in May. Yeah, there's been this great endless, ceaseless tumble of events, and uh, and you know, and yeah. sort of strange decisions that, that 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 that. I mean, I think I think a lot of the odd decisions you can attribute to the fact that. This is this relentless tumble of events, and you yeah. and uh, what on earth do you do? Yeah, and the orc obviously thinks, well, how I won, how I won Crusader was by making sure I took it, took it to the, took it to the Africa Corps and stuck it at them, 
I didn't give up because after all the wobble in the middle of Crusader, you know, you you you, you can argue yeah. or, the orcs thinking, well, this isn't isn't irretrievable. We'll do some, we'll do we'll, we'll do what we did last time. Absolutely. I mean, that is exactly what is happening. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely sure of it. But do you, yeah. do you want to know what happens on the fourth attempt? Well, of course we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Aussies they do capture their objectives. Brilliant. But they capture their objectives on the eastern end of um, the Mitterrea Ridge at 3 a.m., not 1.30. And, and, and two, just two Aussie battalions, so what's that, you know, 1,400 men, are clear by, by 8 o'clock the following morning, but by which point it's suddenly dawn, a yeah, bright daylight. The armour is lagging behind because they're, guess what? They're stuck in a minefield. Yeah. And by the evening, the infantry that's supposed to pass through um, from, from 69th Brigade, who's supposed to pass through the South Africans, the 6th DLI, Stanley yeah. Hollis, yeah. Um, Fifth East Yorks, and the Second and Twenty Eighth Aussies—they're all overrun because they've suddenly got out and they've managed to pass through. They're suddenly exposed. The um, Axis force has counterattacked. Yeah, and at the end of the day, on the twenty seventh, they've lost so a thousand men. Germans are doing what they... zero material gain at all. Yeah. Germans are doing what they do, which is counterattack. Um, which are counterattack. And, yeah, and what and what hasn't happened yet, which is what happens later in the war, is that. You expect them to counterattack, so you've got your artillery laid in, so that when they do, you catch them in the open and you do for them. But you haven't, yeah. you haven't yet developed that idea that the reason you're attacking is to draw the Germans into a counterattack, so you can destroy them. Which is, yeah. which is a thing that two years later is absolutely one hundred percent slick in these same, you know, in these same formations. You know, um, uh, when they come to Normandy, I mean, it's it's very. It, I mean, I'm still going to, I'm still going to say, if it's a stalemate, right, it's staler for the Germans. Let's put it that way. Should we, can we put it that way? Yeah, I think you can put it that way. But I think, I think <laughs> what, what, what is absolutely clear is that the Orcas run out of ideas. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, he's, he's, you know, Peter always tries to, PCA always tries to kind of make out that it was his plan and that Monty just basically adopted it and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it was his decision to go to the Alame 9. All of which is true. But, it's, you know, it, it doesn't take a military genius to realise that the Alame 9 is the, is the place to be because it's, it's literally the only place in the entire Western desert between there and Tripoli where you can have a line that's got an end um, because also, that's where the Qatar division. And also, also it makes perfect sense that you shorten your supply lines. Well, and also... York didn't exactly choose it. I mean, the circumstances have, have d- delivered him there, haven't they? When he cho- well, they the, have. I just, uh, you know, the, I you know, the, he, his previous choice, which is to, which is the Gazala line, and not to, not to, in, you know, not to properly defend Tobruk, is that's that's a ch- that's the choice he makes after Crusader, and it's a bad one. Um, I don't think you can, you you know, circumstances have, have selected Al Alamein for this as much as as much as anything else, haven't they? You know, yes. You'd sooner not. You'd sooner not be that close to Alex because it's uh, it's put the wind up everybody. For, if nothing else, certainly put the wind up Westminster. And it's finally, you know, that the, you get the chiefs of the Imperial General Staff are like, right, okay, this isn't working. You aren't working out. Um, well, it, don't forget also that you know Churchill's had this huge humiliation. He's first yeah. of all he's been in Washington when to Brook to Brook Falls, uh, yeah. you know, and, and, and you know he's got massive kind of red face for that. Then he's faced a, a vote of no confidence in in the, in in Parliament, yeah, which is taken on the twenty fifth of June, so four days later. Uh, and obviously, you know, he has escaped by an overwhelming I mean, only twenty five people vote against it out of you know, and four hundred and seventy five or whatever but it is. That it happened at all, Jim. It's that it but the fact that it happens at all. Then there's huge debates where Oliver Middleton, who is um, the Minister for Supply, has to defend the record about 
standard of kit. And that's where he stands up and goes, actually, we do have um, uh, an anti-tank gun comparable to the, the 88mm. It's called the 3.7-inch, and there's hundreds of them in the canal yeah. zone. And, and, you know, it's not my fault if, if the army commanders aren't using them. Decide not to use them, yeah. 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 So, you know, but but all that is happening in the, you know, so there's, there's a lot of anger. So that reflects, you know, Churchill would understand that that reflects badly on him in any way he's a, you know, he's a fighting prime minister and, mm. you know, he wants us to do well. And, and you know, there, there's now plans for torch, you know, and, and um, a, a joint Anglo-US assault in North West Africa. You know, they need to get a grip of this situation. And, yeah. and so Brooke is also starting to worry about Auchinleck and goes, OK, yeah. I'm, I need to go over and see it for myself. And then Churchill goes, well, I'm coming with you. And Brooke tries to put him off, but he's not to be deterred. Yeah. And so off they go together. By the time he gets out there, there's obviously this is at the beginning of August. There's this pause going on um, in the fighting, but the bad vibes are, are, are really there. Moore's head is in a grump. With, yeah, there's with proper, the ba- proper bad vibes from the from the um, the, these a uh, uh, Duke, um, you know, Dominion's yeah. officers, isn't there? Yeah, because because after all, they've also got their governments on the phone going, "What the bloody hell's going on? Yeah, why is yeah. it always you?" Why, you know, that's what Morshead will have been dealing with. Why is it always you? Why are you having to do all the fighting? Yeah, and, and Morshead is a pretty good general, actually. Well, that also turns into politically, the British are spending our lives, not their own, to prosecute this uh, battle, which is very, very tricky politically. Um, you know, the, the, the Australians, the Australians are, 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 are becoming semi-detached imperially anyway, aren't they? Yeah. Um, uh, so, so the, 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 you know, to, you... you the thing is, is that the British politic political context is 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 what um, you know as you've laid out. But there's also each of those generals are occupying similar roles to you know Orchid Lake. They're, they're, they've got their governments on the phone. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Morshead is Morshead is good. Morshead yeah. is competent. Yeah, yeah. And and when Norrie, who is a thirty corps commander, gets sacked and and not before time, I mean he's useless. Yeah. Um, Lake gets Ramsden to come in. Mm. Not to be confused with the fish king, obviously. Yeah, and yeah. and um, <laughs> and gets uh, and more so things. Well, why aren't why aren't I why haven't I been promoted? Why aren't yeah. I the core commander? And actually, he's got a point, frankly. Yeah. Um, both Pinar and uh, who is the South African commander Kippenberger, who's taken over yeah. from Freiburg because Freiburg is wounded, um, are irritated that they're the way they're being used and kind of overused. Yeah. Well, and so, and and you've got a, a really febrile situation about. Who's going to fight in South Africa for the South yes. African army anyway? You know, there's yes. a, there's that all that backstory that, that all that going on. You know, it's only volunteers who've gone. So there's a that he's dealing with. You know, the temperature within those countries as well is really is really feeling. Because after all, we started off the, this series of podcasts by saying, you know, one of the things about the war in the northwestern desert is it is it's you know it sits in the centre of the British Empire. This war, if anywhere, yes, it it, it, it it's. And it's it's also a British strategy way of doing things where you draw resources and men from all over the world and you get the enemy to turn up to fight you at your convenience somewhere that's difficult for them to fight you, you know. And it's sort of Egypt is kind of the imperial centre of gravity of the British Empire with with the Suez Canal in it, blah, blah, blah. Right. But that then also means you've got the issue of of dealing with those governments, dominion governments now. You've got the, the, the what that baggage that baggage brings politically, that then feeds into your ability to enact strategy, that then feeds into your ability to 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 fight and to run a to run an army harmoniously. 
And, you know, we look later in the war again, you know, Alex is really brilliant at this in Italy. He's really yeah. brilliant to get everyone to sort of chime along together. And, and Eisenhower's, you know, Eisenhower is the ultimate diplomat soldier to, doing exactly the same, exactly the same thing. But here, that's all fallen apart. Yeah, and, that, a, and, and ultimately that has to fall at, at the orc's feet. Yes, I mean, you know, completely, he's, he's, completely, he's the commander in chief. It's, it's, it, yeah, that there, there's nowhere else for that buck to stop. There isn't. Yeah. So anyway, so so Churchill and and Brooke come out, and and Churchill goes up into the desert and goes to Eight Army H headquarters, yeah. and 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 it's and he's not impressed by what he sees at <laughs> just just at the tactical headquarters. It's a bit of a mess. Yeah. There's sort of crap everywhere. There's lots of flies. It feels unhealthy. Mm. Um, he talks to um, uh, Major General Chink Dorman Smith, who's a yeah. very, very uh, um, Marmite character anyway, who is Orkinect's yeah. main chief of staff as Commander-in-Chief Middle East. Really loses it. Churchill really loses his temper on him. And says, you know, you've got three quarters of a million men. You know, why the hell aren't you doing, you know, why can't you do Although, better? All this that does speak to Churchill not quite understanding. Of course, of course. <laughs> but, 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 you know, that he's in a work. massive, he's in a massive grump. And after that, he gets his description of him going out of the tent and standing alone and glowering <laughs> at the desert until Strafer Gotts turns up. Yeah. And he, and, and he has a sort of five minute conversation with Gotts and then decides that he should be the new Eighth Army commander and that the orc has to be sacked. Um, and his mood is only improved when he goes to Mary Cunningham's headquarters, which is miles away. Yeah. Um, and Cunningham does say, you know, it's annoying because, you know, we keep saying we should be together, should have a joint headquarters, and, and we don't get it. Um, so there's this disconnect between what we're doing and yes. Eighth Army. Which um, is absolutely extraordinary. Uh, every time, every time um, you know, I read about this. Someone defends the thing, orc. Well, you come to this, you know, that the, the, one of the great innovations is, you know, that, that comes after this is to put the two tents next to each other. I think that's an innovation. That's like well, and, and also, do you know what I mean, but, Jim? It's like what, yeah. what, what the yeah, yeah, hell yeah. were know, you thinking before this? It's, it's, it's quite it's, extraordinary, it's, and it, and it, it is quite and it, extraordinary. And it comes up as one of those things which is sort of like, hey, and you won't believe what they do to figure this out. They put the two tents next to each other. Think, yeah. you absolute morons. Yeah. It's, it's, it's and that uh, falls at Orc's feet as well because yeah. because because Cunningham and Tedder have been urging it for ages. Yeah, yeah. and they just they just they just don't. They're just not interested. But when when <laughs> Churchill goes there, he has a cracking tie because they're all full of you know because you know Cunningham and Elmhurst are exactly the kind of pair of people that he wants to see. You know, competent, yes. axionic, full of confidence, yeah. uh, um, um, charismatic, yeah, um, saying all the right things, yeah, yeah. reporting lots of successes, and they have a, a massive knees up, and it's all great. When they yeah. eventually get back to um, Cairo, they kind of decide to thrash it all out on on the sixth of August yeah. um, in Cairo at GHQ. And they decide to split up the command. They decide well, that, that the Middle East command is too big. And that is a, a crucial decision because you could you could argue the reason Orkilek's eye isn't quite on the ball is because he's got loads of balls to keep his eye on, so to speak. Um, uh, 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 so you, you you know you could argue that that's you that's you the could problem. you could but 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 uh, and and but don't overdo the, it. <laughs> don't overdo it because the bottom line is that that. Orc always says, you know, I always had my eye, you know, I had to look behind my back the whole time about what was going on in Iraq and what was going on yeah. in Syria. But actually, nothing's going on in Iraq and nothing's going on in Syria. It's all, yeah, yeah. you know, it, th those troubled days are over pretty much. Yeah. And, and that's where you delegate. You delegate someone to deal with that. Yeah. 
you, you send someone out there and they're in charge. And if there's any kind of flare up, then you get in touch. Otherwise, don't bother me. Yeah. You know, and he doesn't. So anyway, so so again, I'm kind of I'm, I'm sympathetic about the, the scale of the command he has. But I, I don't think that's a reason why he's he's not on it in the Western Desert. And, you know, in, no, I'd agree. I'd agree. 1942. I'd, um, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you. I'll tell you what we're going to do, Jim, because we're reaching a point. Where, because this, we've, we've been talking a while on this, we're reaching a point where we should probably stop. Do you think? Yeah, but what we'll do okay. is, is so Gott gets the job. Well, Gott, Gott gets the job. Orkinlek is sacked. Yeah. They split up the two commands, so it's now Near East Command, which is Syria, Palestine, Iraq, and Iran. Yep. And that's the Middle 6th East of Command, August. which is e- Egypt. Yep. Egypt and, and, and rubber stamped by the War Cabinet on the 7th of August. Yep. And General Alexander. My great hero yeah. is made commander-in-chief of the Middle East instead. They offer the Orc the Near East command, but he turns it down. It's too humiliating for him. And on the 7th, the same day that Gott gets appointed commander of the 8th um, um, Army, he is late getting picked up. Um, the, the, his transport comes in to pick him up. He's late arriving to the plane. There's some, a whole load of um, wounded people on it. And as they're flying back to... Um, to Cairo, they're picked up by a, um, a swarm of six Messerschmitts, and they he is assassinated. He's shot down. He's killed. He's shot down, and, and he's he is, it, it is a deliberate assassination. There's absolutely no and question. So Nineteen of the twenty-three killed. So your hero is on the scene, and then I wouldn't call him my hero, but a man I find relentlessly beguiling, fascinating, and gets pulled uh, in. It gets pulled in. That's right. It's Monty time, everybody. We will see you for our next episode <laughs> in our Alamein week. He's here, finally. I have turned up upon the battlefield to make my date with destiny. Um, uh, I'm going to do, uh, we're going to get Monty impressions from now on. But yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you, uh, well, <laughs> so we will. Thanks we to will, the first one. <laughs> we will see you um, for our next episode of Alamein week. Um, may the church bells it's ring. Alamein week. It, out of bed week. I, yes. I, uh, ring anyway, the bells, pill the bells, wing, victory. Wing, wing the bells for victory. <laughs> wing the bells. <laughs> um, we will, we right. will see you next time. Thanks very much for listening. Bye-bye. Cheerio. Bye.